This is Creative Banter, a creativity and philosophy-focused podcast hosted by Cody Schultz and Ben Horn. Our conversation begins with discussion regarding Ben's recent trip to Hawaii and some thoughts he had while enjoying the warm weather, while the rest of us dealt with the blistering cold. One of his thoughts places us into our main conversation, where we discuss whether we must always be a photographer. We ask what that looks like for each of us, whether we feel compelled to bring a camera at all times, and more. The conversation ends with talking about both mental and physical health, running, stoicism, and how it ties into hiking as a whole. Let's dive right into it, shall we? time I uh which is which is which is nice um so I, I I hear you've had some not so wonderful weather where you are right now yeah no it hasn't been great it's been kind of yeah just cloudy overcast the, the weather or the temperatures itself are uh, they're all over the place like we have days that it's yeah. like 50 degrees and then like I think tomorrow and this weekend it's supposed to drop down to like the twenties. Yeah. And then next week it's supposed to bump right back up to like the forties or fifties. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, I um I uh I my my wife and I just returned uh from Maui and we had some some interesting weather there as well. Um most of it was very pleasant, you know, it was like, you know, eighty two degrees and, and sunny and uh, fantastic beach weather. Uh, there was a system that rolled through in our last few days, and uh, some people listening to this might have heard on the news about there was a a flight uh, from I think I don't know if it was from Arizona or Texas, but they're going to Honolulu, and they got hit with some pretty bad turbulence, and a lot of people were hurt on that. And that storm when that rolled through when we were in Maui, it was a uh, it was a pretty big storm. Um, we were staying in this VRBO uh, right on the beach. I mean, literally from our balcony, you just look right down and like you're right on the sand. When we watched that storm roll through, it's just like, you know, lightning and thunder and, you know, sideways rain. And um, and it wasn't, it didn't amount to too much where we were, but on other parts of the island, there was lots of trees down, there was power out. So so it was it was an interesting experience, um, but for the ma- vast majority of time, really good beach weather. Did some snorkeling, saw turtles, saw whales from the balcony. Nice, um, nice. And it was it was it was nice. the The, the trip started out a little bit um, interesting, though. It was supposed to be a a two p.m. flight, and uh, there was actually a little bit of rain in San Diego, and so as a result. Um, our airplane was sitting at the gate that we were supposed to get on, but we were missing a pilot. And that's, that's a, you got to have one of those. Um, So, (laughs) so they say, yeah. So, and it turns out that the flight crew for our flight was, they were diverted to Ontario, which is kind of east of the Los Angeles area. And so from what we understand, the pilot basically had to hop in an Uber drive down to San Diego 
And then as soon as he got there, we boarded the plane and we took off. It was about a three hour delay. But at the same time, you got a, a plane full of people going to Maui. Everyone's happy. No one's complaining. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so that worked out uh, pretty well. But uh, leading into the trip, since there are so many bugs going around, uh, cold, flu, COVID, everything else, um, and I know I've heard of so many people that have just, they've caught whatever that bug is that's going around. And so my wife and I were like, we do not want to ruin our vacation by being sick. I mean, if, if you're going to be sick, if you're in Hawaii, I guess it's better than being in Detroit or somewhere else if you're, if you're sick. But, um, so before heading out on the trip, um, we had, there was like a little family gathering, um, we went to and and so we we decided to wear masks for that because like we just we don't want to risk anything and there was a lot of people around for that one and then on the plane they were like yeah we're gonna wear n95s the whole time we're not gonna eat or drink anything on the plane not gonna take off the mask and avoid touching stuff and sure enough about halfway through the flight and it, it was about a five hour flight like five and a half hours but about halfway into the flight uh, there was a guy about three rows ahead of us and he started not feeling well. And it was the whole thing where, you know, uh, you know, is there a doctor on the plane kind of a scenario? And so sure enough, there was there was a doctor on the plane. And he went over and, and was, you know, checking everything. And uh, sure enough, it looked like he had influenza. And so on this entire flight, there were, I think, including my wife and I, probably about eight people wearing masks. And I think at that point when there's a person who's, you know, exhibiting signs of influenza and just, you know, I, I feel really bad for the guy because, you know, you're, you're trapped on a plane, you're halfway <laughs> to Hawaii yeah, and you just start feeling really bad. Um, so I, I feel really bad for the guy, but also I'm just thinking like all the people that are kind of sitting right near him, they're like, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is going to be a rough one. Um, so we landed, we, we, we went to our spot and, uh, it was, it was nice there. Um, I mean, we had, we had no real agenda. We had no real, uh, plans. I, I didn't even bring a camera, which is one of the things where, um, like if it's not a dedicated photography trip, I'm, I'm very happy to leave the camera behind because it just changes the whole purpose of it. Um, and so I, I just brought a GoPro just to get some footage of, of snorkeling with my wife and hanging with the, the, the turtles. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. And, and as we were, um, kind of near the end of the trip in the last few days or so, um, I heard from my parents and they ended up actually catching COVID and they're, they're fine. It just was kind of like a nagging cough sort of thing. Um, but there's a high chance that they probably caught it at the gathering that we were at. Yeah. And so if we hadn't worn masks, we probably would have caught both the flu and COVID Oof, that and then have to fly back. One. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if anyone is doing any traveling right now, maybe you're listening to this on a plane, maybe you, you, uh, pre-downloaded this, you're listening to it on a flight and you got that little mask sitting in your pocket You decide, Hey, I don't need to wear that. Yeah, put it on. Um, <laughs> it's it, it was nice because we're we're well beyond the the time where we would notice if we'd caught anything, and uh, and thankfully, thankfully we didn't. Um, 
but it was a good trip. But it, the whole the whole reason for mentioning all that was uh, the topic that came to mind, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. And then we may have touched on this a little bit in the past, but the fact that you don't always have to be a photographer. And I think for so many people, they form their identity about around being a photographer. And then there's that that saying something along the lines of, you know, the best camera you ha- is the one you have with you or something like that, which I'm sure everyone's heard before. Um, but it's nice to be able to just turn it off to not even not worry about it, not think about it and just put it completely out of mind and just to go out and just to relax, to enjoy. Um, the volcano was going off when we were there. It shut off not long after we got there. And I know that people were flying there to go like photograph the volcano and all that, but like I had no desire, no desire at all. And it was nice just to sit on the balcony, enjoy the view, watch the waves come in and to not even think about photography. So I, I'm curious from your standpoint, are you able to easily turn off photography or what are your experiences along those lines? I think a lot of the times I'm turning on photography more than I'm turning it off mm-hmm. at, at this point, at least. Um, like a lot of the times when I'm going out into the to the woods or wherever, it's all about being in the woods rather than doing something in nature. Yeah. And that is something that I've had to work for for many years, and it's taken me a long time to get to that point. But then there are also times where, like, I, I would love to get, and I plan to get, like, an old X-Pro 1 from Fuji with, like, a 35 millimeter equivalent, so a digital, little digital camera just to carry around to document like the trips that uh, my dad and I do on the bikes or just daily life, like whatever. Um, Just for in the future when I get older and if for some reason I decide to have kids or whatever the case may be. Yeah. To look back at those moments and be like, oh yeah, okay, maybe this is just in the moment it was just us splitting wood like in the backyard or whatever but to look back fondly on those memories because that how you look at things are is going to change as you get older oh for sure yeah that'll be great to have something like that yeah for that purpose yeah I, i definitely plan on on getting like a little digital camera um maybe even i had rented a x100v from fuji uh, back in june to document my second cousin's first birthday or something and mm-hmm. that was a pleasure to use and so i've considered getting one of those as well um so at some point i will and to go back more towards the topic itself it's in those instances it would probably it would take me a while to start turning photography on more often yeah to to realize hey this is a moment that do I want to live in this moment and enjoy it, or do I want to document this moment and enjoy it later? Yeah, because you, you kind of have to decide it. It's it's really difficult to do both. I mean, at least that's been my experience, where you're either in the mode where you're taking pictures or you're in the mode where you're more present. 
I mean, I think of of Matt Day uh, when it comes yeah. to you know documenting his family, and I feel like he has a very nice balance with that, where he's able to very effortlessly take the photos of his family while still being completely involved. It's um, tough. It's yeah. a really tough dichotomy that you're pushing there because I, and, and that's the problem with smartphones. Like that's something that I don't think we had prior to smartphones where people go to like concerts and people aren't standing around or dancing to concerts anymore so much as they are video taking videos of the concerts of the singing yeah. of the moments of whatever. And they'll probably never look at that video. No. I guarantee you they will <laughs> yeah. look at it maybe to share with their friends on Instagram or whatever yeah, or like the next day or something like that. As, as proof they were there. Exactly. But all the while robbing themselves of the actual experience itself. Yes. I try my hardest to, if I go to like a concert pre-COVID, I've went to a couple with my girlfriend and I don't think I have like any photographs from that night i certainly don't have any videos from that night i might have like one or two just of her and i at the concert other than that it's me standing around enjoying the music yeah and that that's something that is so unfortunately lost in today's world because people just want to constantly document things because they can but it's a matter of you don't have to like half the photographs that are on my phone i'll never look at yeah. Mine are mostly just pictures of dogs and cats. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Mine's, mine's mostly like screenshots of quotes and then I forget that they're there. Yeah. Or like photographs of like right now I've been painting these uh, resin printed minifigures. Like mm-hmm. I have one that I, uh, my cousin has a resin printer. And so he, I found this file and it's um, a little figure of Stitch surfing on a wave oh. oh and my girlfriend loves stitch so as a christmas present i painted that glued it together and gave it to her that's cool so i have a couple of pictures of those but i mean other than that half the photos i don't even bother to look at now you had mentioned possibly getting a, a you know a camera like one of the fujis to, just for like the the family sort of stuff do, do you take any family photos right now with anything other than the cell phone or is there anything you or is that anything you've done in the past at all not really um just because it's really hard to document certain things with large format oh yeah yeah like (laughs) come on could you imagine like trying hold on dad you're in a perfect position there i know you're splitting wood but wait a second i want to get my camera set this up give me like 25 minutes just in that position and it's gonna be a long exposure so you know yeah yeah we're we're losing light here you got to hold that position for maybe like five minutes extra or whatever yeah reciprocity all that fun no there's there's no way um even with the rb67 that i have now I haven't touched that in a while. I haven't touched any of my cameras in a little over a month now. But uh, I just, I if I'm going to do something, I want to have a very small form factor with it where yeah. it's just as easy as pulling out my cell phone, except it's it has a purpose. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing with any camera that I get. I want it to have some sort of purpose. So like the... The large format is 
my main camera. It's for yeah. all of my woodland. The RB67 is more for um, like projects that I plan on doing, collections of images because I'm able to take more. Yeah. And so kind of finishing that off with a uh, documentation camera. Yeah, I, I have a, um, I mean, I did bring a little RX100 uh, to Hawaii just because it'll take better photos than the, um, than like the front facing camera on, on my iPhone. And I'm just looking for just some like fun pictures just to put on the wall, just like pictures of us standing on the beach, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I did bring that along, but I just pulled that out like on, like on the last day when we're kind of walking along the beach uh, before getting things packed up to the head to the airport. And, and we have some, some pictures from that. Um, but thinking back to like when I first got into photography, I, I'd bring my, uh, my camera to like family events and stuff like that. Um, but, but to be honest, it, it wasn't very well received. Uh, people didn't really enjoy having their pictures taken. And so at a certain point I just kind of gave up and just didn't even, I like, I don't take pictures anymore for, for family stuff really. Um, just cause it felt like it was more so like I, I was being more of like a nuisance than anything. Like people like, you know, yeah. put their hand up, like, oh, I don't want my picture taken. Yeah. And so I've I think that in the past too. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not a great thing. I mean, I, at a certain point I'm just like, well, I'm just not going to take pictures then. And there you go. Um, which is, which is not a good thing, but you know, I, I look at some of the stuff that Matt Day has done and has all of this, all these pictures of his family, his kids growing up, his parents who have since passed away. Um, and he has such an uh, amazing record and also so very artfully done. And so I, I think also it has to do with the sort of cameras. I mean, he's worked with a variety of them, but you know, thinking to work, just working with a Leica where you can just focus by feel, hold up real quick, click, very nonchalant, very not discreet. even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. When you're just kind of become more one with that camera, which I think lends itself to that type of photography. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm not going to be buying a Leica anytime soon. There's, I got, I've got <laughs> no, no real desire for that. Yeah. No. Like I said, my, my big, motivating factor about any of this is just the trips that my dad and I've been taking on a, on a yeah. motorcycles just cause it's something that would be fun. Even if it's not like photographs of him or I or any of that, but photographs of the passing moments of like the yeah. fields, how we pass and that kind of thing. Just stuff where, for memories, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't always have to be photographs of your parents or grandparents or whomever, but like, even if you're playing cards, a photograph of their hands holding the cards kind of deal would be just as meaningful, if not more so. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is definitely a way to get around people not wanting their photographs taken because they don't want their yeah. face in it kind of thing. Exactly. And, and kind of it, it gives a little more of the storytelling aspect. Um, yeah. So the photojournalist sort of aspect. And, and, and there's something about seeing a photo of the details like that, which I think really helps to trigger memories in a way that just regular pictures don't necessarily as much like you know if you just see a picture where there's some people standing there posing for the camera eh, you know it's it's cool to see that and it might trigger a little something but you know you, when you got pictures of that you know that card game being played I think those are the pictures you look back on that will uh, trigger those sort of memories that will be probably more meaningful yeah absolutely speaking on new cameras I'm sure people have heard about this already because there have been numerous youtube videos even prior to us recording this today but pentax who is i guess owned by rico yeah they are coming out with a new film camera or oh. 
so they claim. Um, it wasn't officially announced that they're making one. It's not like a firm commitment or any kind of release, but they do have a video that essentially outlines that they're taking steps, the beginning steps to look at whether they can make a new film camera, whether the machinery is still had, if whether it's feasible. And they have a short, maybe like 30 second clip of beginning design of like a hmm. physical design of um, what looks to be a 35 millimeter camera. Does it seem like it's more of like an all manual style or something more like the more recent ones where they got a little plasticky and not quite as um, classic? <laughs> <laughs> right now from the video that I, from this short little snippet that they posted, it looks to be just like the very basic framing of it not even like any kind of exterior body but all internals kind of okay. thing internal framing along with the um the classic lever was pretty much okay. what it had to it so you okay. can tell that it's going to be a 35 millimeter just because of the shape and size of it um, i don't think they're going to be releasing a pentax 673 or no, re-releasing no. a 672 like what everybody wants um but at least not yet yeah, that's that's very interesting. It's still a step in the right direction, absolutely. Yeah, and especially if it's I mean if it's got the lever on the back, then it would be a, you know, a manual wind um which there's I think there's a lot of people looking for something. I mean, there's people that are buying cameras used because that's just where you find them, but I think there's a lot of people that'd be interested in buying something new um just because it's so uncommon these days to have something that is that's new and and uh, hopefully keeps the the film industry, you know, uh, going along. So that's that's exciting to hear. Plus, it's the idea that you're able to get parts for it. You're able to get exactly. it repaired. Like yeah. you're not going onto the used market buying a 50, 60, 70 year old camera and then it breaks and you're out six hundred to fifteen hundred dollars or more. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that I think that I, at least I'm hoping that they get right with this. And someone had said it in a video that they posted about this, how I found out. Um, they need to keep everything manual. They yeah. they shouldn't be going toward a fully automatic or close to automatic uh, film camera because that's not why people buy film cameras. No. People buy film cameras because they want to slow down. They want to have more control. They like the nostalgic aspect of it, even the younger generations who are looking at them. So, oh, yeah in order for you to make this as successful as possible, you have to step back in time and leave the technology, at least to a degree, behind. And yeah. I, it seems from their, um, from the initial video that they posted and the press release or whatever you want to call it that they did, it kind of seems like they get that. Like the one of the things that they said was along the lines of uh, being forced to slow down the film. So... It seems like they understand that aspect, and I'm hoping that they do, but only yeah. time will tell. And when I used to work at the camera store, I mean, we had a selection of used cameras. And when I first started working there, there was a huge selection of used cameras, but that's mostly because people were, were selling cameras, not, not buying them. And so as the years went by and as digital became a bit more mature than it was, 
then we had a hard time uh, getting used cameras in because people had already sold them all. And then we had a lot of people starting to really look to buy them. And in the process of just kind of like playing with all the cameras that we had in there through the years, there's something about the old manual 35 millimeter cameras where they're just, so many of them were, were built like a tank. And then when you look at that viewfinder, it's big, huge, bright viewfinder. Yeah. Um, so much bigger than you'd see with, you know, the more recent 35 millimeter cameras, cause they're having to split light to a focus sensor and all kinds of stuff like that. But, but then when you compare it to a, like a mirrorless camera with electronic viewfinder, electronic viewfinders are fa- fabulous tools, but it doesn't match the same experience as looking through one of the viewfinders on one of those old cameras and just seeing how big and how bright and how real it all looked. Um, which I think leads to more of a connection with the subject so I can see for like, uh, you know, shooting people, shooting stuff like that, I can see how that would be beneficial. Um, for, for landscapes and stuff, yeah, I mean, the electronic viewfinders, they give you good tools. But, man, I, I think if there's people now who have not worked with those old uh, manual 35 millimeter cameras, and if they're really accustomed to what it's like to work with the current cameras, I think they'd be surprised when they look through the viewfinder of a old manual 35 camera because it's it's a gorgeous sight it really is very beautiful yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what pentax does and hell maybe we'll even get mamiya to be resurrected by someone someone will buy up mamiya's name and patents or whatever goes on with that and yeah resurrect some of the older medium format cameras yeah because i i mean i think there a lot of people especially those that aren't working with film it's i think it's easy to look at it and say oh it's just a fad you know it's just you know going back to uh you know retro stuff like you know how uh, vinyls come back and all that sort of stuff along those lines and i think it's very easy to dismiss it as just just one more fad just something that was old becoming new again but i don't i don't think that's the case um Sometimes I'll hear from people that have worked with film in the past. They did not enjoy the experience because they were forced to work with it. And, and they have a hard time understanding why anyone would want to work with film now. But there's something about it. There's something about the whole experience of it. And, and I don't know about 35. I haven't worked with 35 um, lately, at least. But there there is something about it. And I think when you see a company starting to consider building cameras again, I think it's a sign that film is not going away in the way that some people think it is. I think it's definitely here to stay. And, um, and there's, there's reasons, uh, certainly behind that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's gotta be a reason why this stuff is coming back. Like it's not just a fad per se that vinyl and, and film is making such a resurrection, even if it's over a longer period of time than what, because we would have been over that fad by now. Like I, yeah. When I started shooting film, uh, like 2008 ish, somewhere in that range, I should say when I went back to shooting film in that time, because I'd worked with it before, but when I went back to it, um, it wasn't really coming back that much yet, but I'd say probably, I don't know, a few years after that, 20, 
12-ish maybe, somewhere in that range, that's when things started to come back a bit. And, and you know, here we are 10 years later, and I feel like the momentum is only building as, oh, as opposed to it kind of fading away. I mean, and, look at Ilford. Yeah, I know that's we true. constantly bring him up, but Ilford is continuously doing things for the film community. Look at Intrepid. Intrepid yeah. wouldn't exist if, and wouldn't be releasing a 5x7 camera or new iterations of their 4x5 and 8x10 if there wasn't a market for it. Yeah. So it's it's definitely not... I, I think the the thing about film that so many people start to think of it as a fad because of is like all of the influencers on social media. Yeah. Like you have like the Where Kylie Jenner's and yeah. You have all these celebrities who are using these old film cameras because oh it's the next cool thing. Or like I've seen on various sites or even on YouTube with their shorts, like people trying to push the like the iPhone three right now is apparently a big thing. Like really? the camera to an iPhone drawer. three. Yeah. It's, that uh, it's apparently understand. amazing. I don't get why people are so obsessed with this because I showed my girlfriend this video where someone was comparing an iPhone 3 camera to, um, I think, an iPhone 12 or 13 camera. And they were saying how much better the iPhone 13 or the iPhone 3 was than the 13. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what? Like, yeah. there's no shadow detail, everything's muddy. The contrast is terrible. The colors are god awful. Yeah, and you like this more? <laughs> Not something yeah. that I under- that that is a fad. That yeah is absolutely something that will. It's here now. It's gone tomorrow. Yeah, but you can't look at film and say the same thing because just like yeah. you said, ten years ago it was climbing back up in the ranks and it's still climbing. Yeah, the whole thing about the old. Uh, the old iPhone images. I feel like that's probably more in like the the clickbait category, where someone's just creating something along those lines just to draw some attention in. Because it's not like the process of working with an old iPhone is any different than working with the current one. It's probably just a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. Like I have, I have, I have not. I don't even think my old iPhone will power up anymore. I, I got one sitting in a drawer next to a bunch <laughs> of old pencils and miscellaneous parts from stuff let's sell um, it on ebay for a couple hundred bucks maybe yeah use yeah it's it'll, it'll be worth a ton somehow i, I don't know yeah but in the worst ways possible it'll be worth a ton yeah yeah that's crazy i i was i was not aware of that i i, I to me that just strikes and i again i haven't seen the video i don't know anything about it but to me that strikes a uh sort of attention seeking sort of thing as opposed to yeah, someone I, actually I don't know. interested in that yeah i don't i don't quite understand some of the fads that come along with tiktok and all that the other one was like the old um the old fuji cameras like the 100 series the x100 series whatever i just they're great cameras but there's better out there and yeah the the, the biggest thing that the they always pedal is oh this is how um, your favorite influencers getting such great photographs I'm like no it's not 
they're not using an iPhone 3. They're not using no. a Fuji X100 for these photos. They're using the latest and greatest technology, editing it so it looks kind of vintage, and then telling you the other thing that they're using, apparently. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's so- something about the whole hive mind kind of thing where, you know, one person sees something and then everyone else has to kind of go along with it. I've, I have never, I, I've always been kind of sitting on the sidelines looking at stuff like that. I'm like, you people are crazy. I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I totally, I totally don't understand that sort of mentality, but it's also good because then at the same time, I don't feel like I have to try to, you know, keep up with whatever is popular, whatever is cool, whatever the latest trends are. Like even the the word like trending, like when I hear that word, it gives me goosebumps. I'm just like, I don't, I'm like repulsed by it. Uh, Certain words like that, I just like, it it just, you know, it makes me want to steer clear of it. Yeah. Uh, So I'm I'm happy to, yeah, I'm happy to not be part of that. Happy to, to resist that while I'm working with my perhaps temporarily cool film camera. Uh, But we'll see. (laughs) We'll see how that goes in the long run temporarily cool for the rest of your life but it's only temporary. yes yeah oh also um on uh on the topic of of uncool things so when we were in hawaii um so we we got there mid-december and if you go back i don't know to like june or so so june is when my wife bought me a pair of inline skates for my birthday um, which we've talked about a lot in the past, but so basically ever since then, I've just been like going out as often as I can in some cases daily, uh, going out skating. Cause it's just a really good workout. It's fun. So, and that is seen as something that is incredibly uncool to, to the, to the largest degree. But let me just say this. If you skate a lot, uh, inline skating, good workout, if you do that for months and months on end, by the time you get to Hawaii, you, if you do something uncool long enough, you will actually have a six pack. So <laughs> I think that's there's some life lessons in that where if you do something uncool long enough, eventually you probably still won't be cool, but you might you might get a six pack. So that that was a a, a nice uh, welcomed uh, addition uh, when we were when we were in Hawaii. And uh, I think uh, sort of goes along with uh, my uh, my mantra in life of do things uncool and eventually you still won't be cool, but you know maybe you'll have abs. So that was <laughs> that was nice. I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm hoping that uh, come summertime I'll be able to start running more. I've actually yeah. because of going through uh, physical therapy and all that for my knee, mm-hmm. it's been pretty successful so far with my running. Well, um, that's good. That's yeah, good. I've actually what? been able to do some intervals. They gave me this like back to running program thing that levels you up to mm-hmm. to actually getting back to running, of course. Yeah. Um, and right now, I think I'm at like the third level. So you you walk for a tenth of a mile, then you jog for three tenths of a mile, and you do that back and forth until you get to two miles. So it takes me about half an hour to get to that point or so. Mm-hmm. Um but just did it uh, yesterday, level three for the first time, and nice. uh, feel pretty good. Like, don't have any knee pain, don't have uh, shin splints. Obviously, my endurance is absolute trash. 
but it's yeah, that'll, uh, that'll that'll certainly build up with uh, yeah with more time and practice. Yeah, but it, it's uh, so far looking pretty good. I need to start getting into stretching some more, just because like especially afterwards, just to make sure that I keep injuries like at bay. Yeah. But, uh, are but are they saying that that's it. when if if everything goes well with all that, are they saying that it's something that you will recover from and that will kind of be it? Or do you think it will be something to keep an eye on for quite a while and kind of keep on top of, or have they given you any insight on that? Um, in terms of my knee, you mean? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Your yeah. Knee, so, yeah. um, pretty much it's definitely gotten stronger by quite a bit. I mean, if you would have told me, two or three months ago that I'd be even doing these interval runs, mm -hmm. I would have laughed at you just yeah. because like the, like how, uh, how can you do that when it's painful and yeah. Like I mean, just like hopping on one leg for, I think my second therapy session was the amount of pain was like, it wasn't unbearable. Like I could do it, yeah, but it definitely made itself known. So to be able to run where you're constantly putting impactful pressure on your knee it's um definitely a change so yeah it seems as though i'll be able to continue through with this for a while that's um, good my goal is to not do like marathons right away next year but to at least start doing some like 5k's 10k's throughout the summer oh cool so that's Right now, that's my trajectory. My trajectory, but uh, what's what's the longest? Do you know the longest you've ever run? Um, I think three miles, maybe two miles. Um, okay, probably right around there. So roughly a five k. It, it's tough to say because I, because of the pain and everything with shin splints at that point yeah. when I was running a lot, and it's been three years or so since that so mm -hmm. it's kind of tough to pinpoint exactly what it was what i was doing but primarily i was at like maybe the two mile mark was like my my max yeah I, i've i've been lucky i haven't had any any knee or ankle or foot or any any sort of issues i i i haven't really gone running in a while um, it's something I always enjoyed to, to start the day off. Um, but I haven't, I haven't done that for a while because I've been doing the skating. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think I, and, and I know some people get really get into it. They want to do like the half marathon, full marathon, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I think the longest I've ever gone running was 10 miles. And I basically just reached the, the route that I have that I can run through my neighborhood I ran that, and I think that was probably about six miles or so. Then I'm like, yeah, let's just see if I go to ten. And after after doing the six miles, you know, beyond that, I was kind of in a rhythm and everything was fine. I could have kept going even beyond that, um, but I've never really I've never pushed anything beyond that. So I've I've never really gotten the whole runner's high that some people uh, talk about, um, which I think you gotta go a lot further in order to get that. Yeah, but, I mean my yeah. my ultimate goal as a whole even if i don't necessarily do like the the races or any of that stuff i want to do the races just because most of them are for good causes that's true and it's like charitable events kind of thing um which 
you run and you feel good and then you run for a reason and you feel even better so i like that aspect of it but yeah primarily i would love to just be able to wake up in the morning go for like a four mile run and just feel good with that like that's my a daily four mile run or five days a week kind of thing like that i don't plan on getting to like casey neistat or ryan holiday kind of status where they're like 12 miles a day and that's just our warm-up like no see i i haven't gotten i I, there there's so much to that where like i can i could do a run like that but then i'm wiped out for like several days like i'm just like fully drained um so i don't know how people do that i know i know they they, you know you gotta be eat enough calories and get enough fuel and everything. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know how people can do that, but it's, it's pretty impressive how people are able to, uh, to condition their bodies. Um, I've noticed that even just from doing the skating, it's actually kind of changed the way my leg muscles are, um, which I got to figure is probably beneficial for going on the hikes. Um, Cause I think that that's also something where, uh, when people are, especially doing landscape photography, it, it certainly takes a fair amount of, um, you know, being physically fit in order to get to some of those areas. Um, but I guess, I guess that's kind of a question for people listening in terms of if there's anything in particular that they do while they're at home in order to, whether it's exercises, stretch, anything like that, to further help them while they're in the field. Because um, I, I do notice that when I started running, then I was certainly a lot better on the backpacking trips. Uh, that, that really helped out a lot. And by skating, I think it's, it's really kind of works different muscles, um, especially since it's kind of like a side to side pushing off motion, which I think is using some of the same muscles that control kind of like as you're hiking with a pack on it, kind of, uh, as you kind of sway back and forth a little bit, it kind of, uh, holds your position a little bit better. And so I, I think it makes it works pretty well for that. But I'd be curious if, if anyone is who's listening has anything that they would recommend maybe over on the Discord to to let us know on that. Because that would be yeah. that would always be good to know. I'm always looking for for tips and things along those lines. Yeah, definitely. I, especially as we go into twenty twenty three. I think it's uh, something that's on the top of everybody's mind is yeah. oh, I wanna make this year the year that I get healthy. Yeah, and, it's every year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I for me, it's been the like so. I typically drink like a lot of iced tea. Like raspberry iced tea has been always been my thing, but mm-hmm. the past week or so, I've been forcing myself to drink water. And so now I'm at a point where I don't even keep iced tea around. Like it's downstairs in the main like family room or fa- family kitchen, so to speak. Whereas yeah. my kitchenette has some of the overstock of iced tea and stuff that my parents drink, but I don't drink the same. And uh, just trying to make healthier decisions in that regard. Yeah. Especially as we go into 23 and like with this running and everything, I'm like, I want to go into the hiking and camping season as at such a stronger and healthier standpoint than I ever have before. Because I know that I'll feel better. And if I feel better, I'll be more in tune with my creativity and with nature and all of the above. And it'll just be a, an all around better experience. So 
trying to make those changes now while I have the motivation to make them and then hope that they stick. If, if you're out in the field, if there's anything that is not going quite right, even a small thing, does it, does it take you out of being able to shoot photos or are you still able to stay in the right mindset you need to be in? It depends what it is. If it's something that like just really messes with my emotions, like if all of a sudden, I don't know, I see someone like throw trash on the ground or something like that right in front of me and I just get pissed off, like, yeah then it can take a while for me to recover from that to get back into a creative mindset. And depending yeah. on where where along the trip that is, it can just ruin the whole experience. Or it, It's one of those things where you have to be really, or at least I have to be really in control of my emotions and emotional well-being, mm-hmm. especially dealing with my like depression and anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, that's something that I want to continue to work on throughout the next year, along with like the, the practices of like stoicism and controlling your mind because it's the only thing that you have control over in the world. So it can definitely take me out of the experience. um, But I'd like to work to the point where it doesn't. Yeah, I'm I'm very easily broken out of what, whatever sort of trance it is I need to be in in order to work for everything to be right. Like if I'm sitting there trying to work and all of a sudden like I've had it or just like my shoelace breaks and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, well, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Because just something like that, all of a sudden like, the, like, my, like one, one boot is now a little looser than the other one. And, and I'm sitting there and like the conditions are still good, but I'm like, this is bugging me so much right now. Like I can only concentrate <laughs> on the fact that one of my boots is laced a little bit tighter than the other one. And I don't think I should be a photographer anymore. I think I should just hang up my hat and I think I, I should just move along to, to something else because this has destroyed my trip. Um, so I, I get into stuff like that sometimes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, then I have to just kind of like just focus. All right, just tie those two ends together. We'll make another lace out of this, and all will be well. And and it usually is. But yeah, I'm very easily distracted like that. So yeah, you know, <laughs> you don't you don't always have to be a photographer. And sometimes when your shoelace breaks, I'm not a photographer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if I could give one recommendation as we wrap this episode up mm-hmm. in terms of dealing with emotions and instances like that. If for those listening, if you have not already, and it's something again that I plan on doing come the new year, look into Ryan Holiday's trilogy, his um, his Stoicism trilogy. It's I'm blanking on the names of them right now, which is not a good thing when you're trying to recommend something. Um, well, like the on, Google gotta... machine will will work for that for some. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here we go. Um, the obstacle is the way ego is the enemy and discipline or stillness is the key. Those are his three books on stoicism. I highly recommend reading through those. Um, I'll have to check those out. They're very good books. Um, and that, that's, I, I recommend them obviously because I've read them, but 
also because that's what Ryan Holiday does. He is all about this stoicism thing. He has multiple books on Marcus Aurelius, on the various Stoics. He has um, a book, The Daily Stoic, which just goes through um, daily meditations. Again, really simple, quick read. The idea is that you read one of these meditations per day, and he kind of breaks it down into plain English for you. Hmm. Um, there's a journal that he sells that goes along with that or whatever. Um, but nonetheless, highly recommend picking up this original trilogy just because it has changed the way that I see the world to a emotional degree. Mm-hmm. So if you are someone who would like to gain better control of your emotions and a better understanding that the only thing that you can control is your mind uh, as in your perception of the world. Mm -hmm. I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. That sounds fascinating. And uh, at at some point, once I, once I read those, it'd be interesting to, to have a conversation on that and some of the things learned along the way. Alrighty. And since this is going to be our last episode published in 2022, look forward to seeing everyone in the new year yeah we'll be back and we'll have more exciting shoelace stories to tell i hope you enjoyed our creative banter you can learn more about cody's work by visiting his website codyschultz.com and you can find my work at benhorn.com for further discussion join us at patreon.com slash creative banter it's a place where we can interact with you the listener and although we greatly appreciate those who contribute by joining a tier discussions are open to everyone whether you're a paying member or not thanks so much for listening and we'll see you around next time